This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 134 with Barb Anderson. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 134. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. This episode of the Shameless Mom Academy is brought to you by Aptive. Aptive is an app that brings your workouts right into your earbuds by syncing the motivational guidance of a personal trainer with the perfect playlist to bring you an elevated, on-demand audio fitness experience. After graduating at the top of her MBA class and landing an interesting job, Barb Anderson suddenly found herself staring directly in the face of every parent's worst nightmare when her 18-month-old son Jude was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. With this diagnosis, Barb was thrown into her new role as a momcologist, a position where she serves as chief advocate, medical officer, and public relations expert for her family. Jude's journey has defied all odds, surviving three relapses, two bone marrow transplants, and travel across the U.S. for groundbreaking clinical trials. Jude has now hit six months cancer-free after his second bone marrow transplant, his longest stint in remission since his first diagnosis. Barb was actually the donor for his second bone marrow transplant, so we get to hear about that story as well. Jude and Bard are both recovering well right now. The rest of Barb's family consists of her husband, Jude's father, Aiden, and their little boy, Finn, Jude's younger brother. When not serving as a momcologist, Barb loves to cook, drink wine, brew kombucha, and connect with family and friends. I wanted Barb to come on the show today to talk about her experience as Jude's mom and as 
a cancer expert. You can only imagine that if something dire were to happen to your child, you would throw yourself into becoming an expert of whatever that thing is to do whatever you could to protect your child, which of course is exactly what Barb has done. So she's definitely earned the badge of honor, momcologist. And you're going to hear throughout the interview all of the trials and tribulations that pediatric cancer puts upon a family. So listen in to hear Barb share how Jude was diagnosed, what life looks like with the ups and the downs of pediatric cancer, what kind of emotional turmoil remains even when the cancer is gone, what it's like to raise a sibling of a child with pediatric cancer, what not to say or send to people fighting cancer, and the alarmingly low research funding that supports pediatric cancer. This is a special episode, and I'm so honored to have Barb on to share her story, to share the battle that Jude is currently winning valiantly, and I can't wait for you to hear everything that they've gone through and where they stand today. So let's dive in with Barb Anderson. Barb Anderson, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you. I am so excited and honored to be here. I appreciate you reaching out about doing this podcast because... While this might not be super challenging for you to talk about because you talk about it all the time, this is a very sensitive, emotional subject talking about your child who has been battling most of his life with luckily treatable disease up to this point. So tell us a little bit about your life beyond your bio and what it looks like right now. And then also tell us what you're most excited about right now. Sure. Well, what my life looks like right now it kind of feels like in a way, I've been thinking about this a lot. It feels like back when I was in high school and going to college and trying to figure out who I'm going to be and what I'm going to be up until now with Jude and his treatment, my husband and I have just been so focused on that. And now he's approaching six months after his second bone marrow transplant, which is a pretty big milestone. And now all these possibilities are opening up and we're looking at Jude starting kindergarten in the fall. So it's kind of, I'm at this point where it's like, okay, what am I going to be now that I can go back to regular life? Yeah. Is Jude now five? He just turned five. Yes. Okay. And he has a brother as well. Yes. I thank you for saying that. I feel like <laughs> I talk so much about Jude and not to be overlooked is my second son, my younger son, Finn, who if we were on TV and filming this and he were there, he would not be overlooked. <laughs> And he just has that personality. Oh, he's two, you said? He's two and he's going to be three next month. Okay. Oh my gosh. And we kind of just dove right into a topic right there of the topic of what happens to one child when the other child is chronically ill. And I'm sure that's like a whole dimension of your life that you have to be really conscious of. So we'll get to that as we get through our interview today. Tell us about Jude's initial diagnosis, and when did this all begin? Take us back to that time. So it all began, he was going in for his 18-month well-child checkup, and he had just started daycare. He was a late walker, so he had just started walking around 15 or 16 months, and he had all these bruises on his legs. And I just looked, and it was like, you know, he's learning to walk, he's starting this daycare, he's banging around around the playground, I'm sure he's fine. And we went to his 18-month well-child checkup. And actually, the checkup was ending. The doctor was like on his way out the door. And I said, oh, can you just look? Jude has all these bruises on his legs. And my concern was that he was anemic mm -hmm. because I was actually eating vegan, which my husband hated. He hated <laughs> so much. And he was the one that was like, 
how are you sure Jude's getting enough nutrition? You know, you're not giving him meat. It, what if he's low in iron? Right. So when I asked, the only reason I asked is that I thought he was anemic. And the doctor looked at his legs and then he felt his stomach and he looked up at me and it's like, it gives me, I have chills right now just thinking of the so look I. that the doctor gave me. And he was like, started talking like very slowly, like, I'm going to send you for some blood work. Wow. It's probably nothing. And it was like just the way he said that I was like, something is wrong. Something is horribly wrong. And so he sent us. And of course, that was hard trying to get. Did he tell you what they were looking for in the blood work? Finally, after asking, like, I was like, what is it? What is it? What is it? And finally, he was like, well, a lot of this bruising could be a sign of leukemia. And it was (gasps) like, once you hear that, it's like, wah, 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 wah. Yeah. Like, you just don't hear anything. Right. And so I went to the parking lot and just was crying, called my husband. I was like, you have to come home from work. You have to come home right now. Like, they're saying this, you know, yeah. I can't wait alone. You know, this is so scary. And so I took Jude to get his blood work, which was not fun because trying to get a blood work drawn from an 18 month <laughs> yeah. old is hard. Yeah. And then we waited and that was about 10 o'clock. Oh, and then also at the same time I had called my work, which I had just started like four months before. So I was still really new and was just this like, they think my son has leukemia. I'm not going to be in the office. And I just remember the reception was like, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just. You don't know how to process so that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't know what to say. She didn't know it. Like it just, right. it was like just so hard. And so I got the blood work drawn from my son and then went home and waited. And about four hours later, the call came. And just as like much as I can remember, it was like, Jude has leukemia, pack a bag, go to the hospital. They're waiting for you. Go to the sixth floor. And the doctor said, don't take him to the emergency room. He's too sick. He can't be exposed to the germs there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's like, it's weird of like the small details you remember, but that's one of them that I remember. Wow. And another thing that was weird too, is that I remember asking like, how long do we pack for? What are we doing? I don't understand. And we had just gotten back from a vacation And it was weird because, like, I had just unpacked all his clothes. Mm -hmm. And so packing them up again to go, you know, it was like using that same skills of, like, oh, he likes to wear this. But it was packing for the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Such a different focus than vacation. Like, the anticipation of vacation versus the anticipation of hospital and the unknown. That's so different. Yeah. And, you know, the thought that I had, because my mom died from cancer, and oh. Jude is named after her. My mom's name was Judy. Okay. And my mom had cancer very young, and then she had a relapse later on, but she died at age 47. So she oh. was pretty young. Yeah. And I remember just thinking, like, this can't happen. Like, you've already exempted. paid your due. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. And that was like, it, that was my thought is like, this just can't be happening. Like, this is a mistake. Was there any suspected connection between your mother's cancer and Jude? Like, is there any sort of genetic thing? You know, that's a good question because that was something that always bothered me. It was like in my mom had lymphoma, which is a related cancer with leukemia. And through Jude being in a million different clinical trials, we actually got to meet with a program at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And it's like a genetic testing program that specifically focuses on like the gene markers and if it runs in families and connections. Mm -hmm. And they did a big interview with me and with, they checked out Jude and turns out, no, it's just really bad luck. (laughs) And it kind of 
probably doesn't matter a whole lot either way if it's connected or not. But like that seems so unfair. And yeah, well, and it's just so weird that like yeah, he's, he's named after my mom. Like, yeah. is it something with the name? <laughs> you know, like you know, it's just those thoughts go through your head. Like, right. how is this possible? Yeah, gosh, I'm thinking of I've been watching this show. Like, for my listeners, don't judge. I've been watching the show. Tyler Henry, the, who's a Hollywood medium, and he channels like people who have passed away and he will connect them to people who are still alive. And it's really fascinating. And I know for some people listening, they're probably like, that is so crazy and woo woo, but it's really interesting. And I'm just thinking like this connection that your son has to your mom between the name and with cancer and all this stuff, like it would just be so interesting to see if like, what is your mom's connection to the situation? And yeah, like, what would she say about it? And what did she know? Like, what did she know even maybe before this happened? And there's not to get down a whole rabbit hole of mediums and and psychics, (laughs) but it's just really interesting to see some of the things that come up in that kind of work. And that came to mind when you mentioned the similarities between them. So tell us a little bit after the diagnosis, you go to the hospital and you end, how long are you there for and what ends up happening? Well, the initial treatment, like the initial hospitalization block was about two weeks And I remember when we took Jude home, it was like, I was more scared than when we took him home as a newborn. I mean, it was like, we just had, you know, a huge stack of medications and all, you know, I mean, it was just so scary. But typically with leukemia, it's what they found through trials and research is that it's, depending on how the kids fare and do, it's eight months to a year of very intense treatment Mm. in different blocks. And then depending on if you're a boy or a girl, it's either two or three years of low-dose chemo that you take at home and you can, for the most part, get back to regular life. Oh, interesting. Yeah. and Which is different than like chemo that I'm familiar with. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's a little bit different. And the reason with boys is because boys can relapse in their testicles. So they have to do a whole year more of treatment. Wow. Yeah. So it's very long. But when Jude was first diagnosed, he actually had a really bad ear infection. And it was so bad that he had to have surgery and it eroded away his eardrum. The problem with chemotherapy is that it takes away your immune system. So when Jude got this ear infection, he just had nothing to fight. Yeah. And so it was just, it was Infections are like a really, really big deal. They are. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad I didn't know this at the time, but, you know, a lot of kids that die during treatment, they don't die from the cancer. They die from the the infections or, yeah. But I'm glad I didn't know that when that happened to him. So we had a really, really tough time. And my husband and I were like, okay, if we can get through this, you know, the rest of treatment is going to be fine. And so he finished up his block of intense treatment. Oh, and I guess I should go back. When Jude was diagnosed, I had just found out I was pregnant with Finn. I was actually going to ask about that. Okay. So that was already like underway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I had found out, I think it was like September 1st and Jude was diagnosed on October 14th. So it was super new. Okay. Yeah. How were you processing? Were you just not even able to think about being pregnant and what that would look like and how you would juggle a newborn and and oh my gosh, healthcare? It was so scary. Yeah. And our biggest fear was like literally the logistics is that if Jude was in the hospital and then I went into labor, like who would watch who? And we ended up, I remember like as we got closer because we knew Jude's treatment like about a month in advance, kind of where he would be. And I remember like mapping it out and being like, okay, he could be in the hospital. 
And then fortunately, my father and stepmom-in-law are amazing. Mm-hmm. Father-in-law and stepmom-in-law are amazing. And they came down from Minnesota mm-hmm. and they stayed for like a month after Finn was born. Okay. But we had all these scenarios like, okay, so mom and dad will go, you know, and the other thing too is that the hospital Jude was at was not the hospital oh my or was not the place where I was having Finn. Like, could you so not just like, get one break? <laughs> I know. So it was like, okay, so if she goes into labor, we'll do this. And then grandpa and grandma will come to the hospital and be with Jude. But actually it all worked out perfect. And Jude wasn't in the hospital and oh, Jude good. just stayed home and, and my dad and my sister watched him and okay. everything was fine. But Jude, so he had just started the more at-home chemo, the maintenance type is what it's called, where, you know, he was getting back to school, he was getting his hair. Like, for the most part, a lot of kids, if they're in maintenance therapy, you won't even know that they're on chemotherapy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's yeah, not and like just adults is, who are, like, super, super sick and... Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, for some kids, it's harder than others. It's like you have to take steroids once a month. But for the most part, people can get back to life. Okay, nice. So we had just started that, and then Jude relapsed. It was January 2015. I get all my years mixed up. I'm sure. So can you relapse while you're still in treatment? Is that how it worked? Yes. Okay. But not everyone does, and when you do, it's usually considered pretty bad. Okay. Because, I mean, like, Jude relapsed while he was still getting chemotherapy, which it's you know, that's just not a good sign. Yeah. So what is that? Because my assumption was that relapse meant you went from having like no cancer in you to then having cancer in you again. So was the cancer gone and the chemo like preventative measure or like just it was like the end of treatment? Okay, so it was it was totally gone. And then it came back while he was in chemo. So yes. Okay. Yeah, with leukemia, and I'm saying for most kids, not everyone, but with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which is the most common form of childhood cancer. Mm-hmm. The goal is to get it in remission in the first 29 days. Okay. So then you do all so this. That's why they chemo, rushed you to the hospital then, that day. Yes. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, as opposed to other cancers and it's, if anyone's interested, the book, the emperor of all maladies, it was the basis for the PBS. I'm trying to remember the cancer documentary that came out last year. But the book is the basis for that documentary. But they describe how it's like a medical emergency when someone is diagnosed with acute leukemia because it can spread so fast. Okay. And it's just like one rogue cell that just copies and copies and copies and crowds out all the things that you need to keep you healthy. Okay. I'll link to that book in the show notes for those of you listening. Yeah, it's really, really good. And it's not too medical and it describes all the treatments and the history of treatments and like how the first pioneers like created these chemotherapies and a lot of it was for acute lymphoblastic leukemia Wow! yeah in the 1940s and 50s when kids like literally i mean there was like a zero percent survivorship oh my gosh yeah so he had that relapse and then is that when he went to the first bone marrow transplant? That's correct. Yeah. He relapsed in January. And at that time, what another kind of interesting thing that not a lot of people know is with bone marrow transplants, you have to have a match in the bone marrow database. Mm. And it's based typically on these like haploid groups and it differs according to your ethnicity. So at the time, the doctors were like, oh, you guys are white. Your dude's not going to have a problem finding a match. 
And then later on, we found out that Jude has a genetic abnormality and he has no match. (gasps) (laughs) And so we ended up having to go with a cord blood transplant. So his first transplant was from a baby's umbilical cord. So you found a match in a baby then? Yep. So yeah. There was, was there no match, match in the database? And then they just... No match. Nope. Out of 22 million people. And then how did they find this match in a baby's cord blood? There's also like a cord blood database, database as okay. part of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So at the time, the place that... Well, I say at the time like it changed, but it's still, <laughs> still the same now. Right. The University of Minnesota is a big leader in cord blood transplants. Okay. And that's also happens to be my husband is from Minnesota. So we decided to do his first transplant there. Okay. And it also helped because you were saying about with the sibling, my son Finn went and lived with my father and mother-in-law for like the entire summer that we were there. Okay. Wow. This is yeah. like every step yeah. of this, I'm like, I can't imagine any of this. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers. On an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. 
So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. So he went and had the bone marrow transplant. Your baby, how old was Finn at the time? Finn had just turned one. Okay, so he's living with grandparents. And are you guys pretty much living at the hospital during the time of the transplant? Yeah, well, this is actually another kind of funny thing because my husband and I joke about this, is that that was like such a great summer because (laughs) we were, and it's like, sometimes I say that I feel like I sound like a horrible person because <laughs> it's like it was a great summer except for the fact that my son was really sick and right. puked and had diarrhea like a million times a day oh. but what happened is that we would do 24 hours on at the hospital and 24 hours off okay and my younger son was about an hour and a half south of where the hospital was okay so we wouldn't like go there every day okay. but on the days that we had off we would have just like a whole day off to be in Minnesota. And he has brothers there. So I have brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws. And it was like sunny. And so you would get like a recovery to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot about, I mean, it was like a lot of really good self-care time, which looking back in context of what happened after that, it's like, I am so grateful that that happened and that we prioritized that. And we were able to do that. And so grateful with my father and mother-in-law that they watched my son Another kind of amazing and fortuitous thing that happened is that our insurance covered our housing costs for the summer. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, you hear all these horrible things about insurance companies, but it's like they have been amazing. And part of it is because we went in Minnesota and it's considered a center of excellence. Mm. So we got, I mean, just so many, I mean, it was just fabulous. And so we had this apartment off one of the lakes and would like walk around the lake and yeah, it was just aside from the fact that Jude was really sick so that the 24 hours that we were taking care of him were really hard. The rest of it was really good self-care. Yeah. So we had the transplant and were you feeling hopeful after that? I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, it was like we were just starting to look at heading back to Tucson because with bone marrow transplants, you have to stay close to the hospital for 100 days after transplant. Wow. Because that's when you're on really heavy immune suppressant medication. So if you get sick, you have to be like super, super close. Because if you get a fever, you could go from having a fever to being deathly ill in a very short period of time. So we were actually just looking like it was August. We were just starting to look at going back to Tucson and kind of thinking about like, okay, what's life going to be like now? When one day Jude went in for blood work and his white blood cells were super, super high, Mm -hmm. which could be many things. And the doctors were like, oh, he's probably fine. You know, he probably has a virus that that can cause your blood work to be off. But just to be safe, we're going to run it for further testing. And when I heard that, it was like, oh my gosh, not again. Yeah. And so we found out the next day that he had relapsed again. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was relapse number two in August, 2015. Okay. And if this had happened... If it were August 2010, even, if that would have happened then, mm-hmm. the only option would have been hospice. Really? Yeah. Because, because the- typically relapsing after a bone marrow transplant, number one, I mean, the type of treatment that you have to get during a transplant is so difficult mm-hmm. that 
you really can't do any more chemotherapy after because you'll just get really sick. And then once you have a bone marrow transplant, that's usually considered like the pinnacle of treatment. If that doesn't work, there's really not a lot that can be done. But I'll never forget the conversation with the doctor is that she said there is hope. And she said there's a new treatment. It's called CAR T-cell. She said it's where they take cells out of Jude. They program them with a virus. It's actually a deactivated form of the AIDS virus that they infect these cells with. And then they put them back into Jude, and it makes the cells destroy the cancer. Wow. I mean, it's like, crazy. A sci- it's like a sci-fi movie. Like, how would you even ever think, like, let's just try I, these AIDS cells. And I know. <laughs> so interesting. I know. It really, like, I just, sometimes it amazes me how smart people are. Yeah. So you went through that? Yeah. Yeah. So we went, actually, from Minnesota, we flew to Seattle to do the program at Seattle Children's. And then Jude and I had to go back to Seattle. So we went by ourselves Mm -hmm. and that was in the fall of 2015. And Jude got into remission again with that, which is, I mean, just amazing. Yeah. And the goal with the CAR T cells is that they stay in your body for a long time. Mm -hmm. That's like the best case scenario because it's kind of like, if you can think of like a living treatment where you just have these cells going through your body fighting off cancer. Attacking, yeah. Yeah. But with some kids, and it's still so new, they don't really have, I mean, they have ideas, but it hasn't been like proven as to why this happens with some kids. The cells go away. Mm. So can you have um, the treatment more than one time? Can you just, you can, but it's not quite as effective as we found out. So, I mean, it was pretty incredible because in, at the end of 2015, after two relapses and all this treatment, like Christmas time, Jude was in remission and looked awesome and was doing really, really well. And then we found out in January last year that the cells had gone away. Mm. And we were still kind of trying to figure out what direction we were going to go when he relapsed for a third time in April of last year. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So we, the cells we really went away, did. but that wasn't technically a relapse. But then you knew that they were no longer there fighting. You knew that the chance of relapse had probably gone up. Exactly. Right? Okay. Exactly. Yep. Nope. You got it. And then part of it too was that another like interesting Jude thing is that the doctor had said, well, when kids relapse after it, it's usually not for like a while after, like six months to a year. So we were trying to figure out like, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to try another bone marrow transplant? Are we going to go try a different trial? Like, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And we were coming up with a plan and Jude relapsed like two months after. Oh my gosh like way faster than anyone else that the doctor had seen. (laughs) Yeah. So last year, that was really, really hard because it's like that was kind of our first taste of normalcy. Like Jude was able to start actually a preschool program with our local school district. I mean, he just looked amazing. He got his first haircut ever. Oh my gosh, his first haircut ever. What a, what a cute. I know, I know. And we took him and Finn to this barber and they got like the hipster, the what's that called? Like the undercut? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they looked, yeah, it was oh, awesome. So, so like, I mean, it was all just kind of coming together. And then, I mean, it's just really scary because it's like within like a week, you just started getting more tired and having bruises. And then we were you, actually- You're at, probably pretty acutely aware of symptoms at this, you know, like- Yes, yeah. And then we were at a county fair. They had a day, it was like a open early and kids who are, you know, going through cancer treatment or have had cancer can go in early and, you know, go on all the rides. And Jude was on one of the rides and he got a bloody nose. 
And that's like another sign of having low platelets, Mm -hmm. which is a sign of relapse. And so we went from the fair to the hospital and that's when we found out. Wow. I'm just saying that's on my mind because now it's that same time of year again yeah. and the fair is going on and someone asked me if I was going to the fair and I'm like, I am never going to the fair again. <laughs> yeah. I hate the fair. I don't I mean, not, yeah. I mean, maybe I'll go, I, I, but it's just one of those things where it's like just a memory I'll never forget. Right. right. So you go in and he's relapsed again. Yeah. And then, and the then that kind of triggered with last year, I just feel like we were just all over the place. We went to Philadelphia because that's the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia had like a second immunotherapy trial where they changed the way the cells are made to hopefully make them like more effective in kids who whose bodies fought them off. Mm-hmm. So we went there. We went back to Seattle. I feel like I guess that was it. I just feel like it was so much yeah. travel. We went to Philadelphia back and forth a bunch of times. Were you taking um, Finn with you as you were doing all this? No. Okay. No, it was just me and Jude. And then okay. my husband was trying to save up time off because we didn't know since Jude wasn't able to get back in remission with the chemotherapy and we were looking at these different trials, we weren't sure, like, are we going to reach a point where he is on hospice and my husband needs to take like a long time off work. Right. So he was like, I'm just going to try while you're doing these trials, like to work, you know, and save it for when we really need it. Yeah. And that's like, that's a whole nother element to this, that to be doing that on your own to be doing the traveling and the care giving and just the emotional toll that must take because your family's essentially broken up while you're trying to manage all this. Exactly. I mean, it's like we spent so much time apart where my husband and Finn were in Tucson Mm -hmm. and Aiden was like, you know, being a single dad and going to work and taking Finn to daycare and then taking care of him. And then I was either in Philadelphia or Seattle with Jude. Yeah. So We did both the Seattle and Philadelphia trial and they didn't work. Mm -hmm. And we ended up coming back home in the fall last year. And there was like one last final drug that we could try. That's an immunotherapy drug that works similar to how the cells work, but just a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And Jude got into remission in like 10 days on it, which is really fast. And even his oncologist here in Tucson was like, oh my gosh, this is like a miracle. And that's when we like started making the plans to like rush him to a second bone marrow transplant because you have to do that while you're in remission. And the fear was that, that he, you know, would relapse again. So, so like within like a two week timeframe, it was like, okay, we're going to transplant. There's Jude's doctor here in Tucson has done a lot of research with a type of transplant where it's either a parent or a child is the donor and they're a half match. Oh, And I just wanted to mention that because that's something that I think is really super cool that he's doing this research and that Jude got this type of transplant. But it's also really neat because, as I mentioned, people, different ethnicities, so people who are black or Latino or Asian have a much less chance of finding a match. Yeah. So this type of transplant, like, has the potential to be like a game changer for people of color, which I think is super cool. Yeah. And also he specifically focused on it here in Tucson because he saw so many kids who are Latino going to transplant and not having matches or struggling. Yeah. 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 So we knew that Jude was going to go and have either me or my husband be the donor. Mm. And so they started drawing all this blood work and we went in for the meeting and it was like, I felt like it was like a Jerry Springer, like, and we're going to reveal who the donor is. (laughs) (laughs) 
like it was so cool. I thought for sure it was going to be my husband. Oh, that's so interesting. And like, did you have a preference either way? Like, were you like, well, logistically, it would be easier? Or was it just like, it doesn't matter? You know, it was like kind of, I saw pros on either side. Yeah. Like selfishly, I wanted it because it's kind of neat to. I was going to say, I feel to do that. like I would kind of want to be like the savior. Like, yeah, it should yeah. be me. <laughs> and then there's also an element that like donating the marrow, like it is a procedure where you have to get anesthesia. So there were a couple days where like I got to be babied a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a day off if I do this. Yeah, exactly. But also, too, is I thought it would have been really neat with my husband, especially since, I mean, I spent so much time with Jude, Yeah, being that we were in Philadelphia and Seattle right. together alone, that it would have been cool for him to do that, too. So either way, it would have been. Yeah. Obvi- obviously, any option would be fantastic. Yeah. So you end up doing the donor transplant. Yeah. So when did that take place? That was November 15th last okay. year. Okay. So now it's been six months. Almost six months. Yeah, it will be May 15th. Hey, mamas, just wanted to pop in and give a little shout out to our sponsor for today. Our sponsor for this episode is Aptive. Aptive is an app that brings personal training and great music right into your ears. So if you have been wanting to get back into exercise and you've been a little nervous, Aptive is a great solution. What you can do when you go into the Aptive app is you can choose workouts based on level of intensity or your current fitness level. So you can find the ones that have the little green dot next to them, which are going to be the more basic level workouts. So if you have been wanting to get back in the workout game and you've been a little timid and shy about it, this would be a great place for you to get some guidance from a professional personal trainer to get you started. There's also intermediate and advanced workouts. So you have some things to work up toward and things to strive for. So if you're interested in getting started with Aptiv with a free 30-day trial, go to Aptiv, A-A-P-T-I-V.com and use the code SMA30 to get started today. Again, that's Aptiv, A-A-P-T-I-V.com and use the code SMA30 to get started today. And now back to our show. Oh my um, gosh. Like, do you feel like you walk on eggshells like in, throughout life or do you feel like you're able to like kind of gain some confidence and momentum in your life as the longer he's in remission? So it's interesting that you asked that because one of like my notes as I was looking through everything is that I feel like the better Jude does recently, the harder time that I've been having. Interesting. And I think part of it is that like living in the moment when Jude is sick is like, you're literally like living out of the hospital and finding gratitude and like, oh, this coffee is really good that someone brought to me or I get an hour out to go to the gym. But then when you're home and now that we have all this time Mm -hmm. and, you know, Jude's doing better, it's like I have all that mental space. And lately I feel like I've just been really anxious And part of it, too, is that so many of the symptoms are just similar to, like, kids have bruises. I mean, Finn has bruises. My nephew always has tons of bruises. You know, kids get bloody noses, especially here in the desert where it's super dry. So it's like all these things are so hard to judge. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. Our interview last week, the interview that's going to go up right before yours with Sage Hobbs, she's a mom of two now in her 40s, but she had cancer herself in her early 20s. And she talked about going through it and how she was kind of like the warrior through the whole thing. And everyone was so like, Oh, you're so brave. And she's like, I don't really have a choice. But then she said, there was a period after that, where she'd been well for a while. And then she started having panic attacks. 
and I said, it sounds like post-traumatic stress. And she said it was like that in many ways that you go through a major life event, which you've been in for a long time now. And then when there is a little bit of time and space from all of that is when like, it almost comes back to haunt you in many ways. And it also, you have the clarity around the gravity of the situation, I think. So I think it makes so much sense that now might be harder than when you're in it, because when you're in it, you can't see beyond it. And now you can. Yeah, exactly. And then also too, it's a reminder of like seeing Jude now and like we're looking at kindergarten, which mm. ever since his first relapse, like when anyone would ask like, what are you thinking about the future? It'd be like, I just want you to make it to kindergarten because it was like, that just seemed really far off because yeah. he relapsed like right, when was that? Like right before he turned three. Right. So it was like, okay, if, you know, if he can make it two more years, that's pretty good. Yeah. Because that would mean he would make it through the transplant. So now that we're actually here, it's like, oh my gosh, it's just a reminder of how much there is to lose. Yeah, yeah. What does he understand about what he's been through? So we explain it to him that the cancer was the blood monsters and that he had to have different treatments to help fight off the blood monsters and that he had mommy cells to help fight off the blood monsters. (laughs) And he used to really like hearing about that. Like he even had, it was kind of cool. The local editorial cartoonist for our paper drew this really super cool cartoon of Jude fighting blood monsters. And he really, really liked that. Yeah. Like it was like, it's a perfect visualization and he likes, I mean, he likes star Wars and knights and superheroes and all, all those kind of things. So it really hit home. But now lately, and it's almost like what you were saying is that after the fact, it's harder. Mm. We watched, there was a video that our public media station did on Jude Mm. and I showed it to someone and Jude was in the room watching it. And afterwards he got so upset. Oh, and that's never happened before. Could he articulate why he was Yeah, not really, not really. Mm. And then another thing happened there at one of the leukemia and lymphoma society events that I was at, they have a video on the type of treatment that Jude got. Jude wasn't in the video, but it showed like another little girl that was getting treatment. Mm -hmm. And he got really, really upset by that. So there's definitely something going on. And he actually just started seeing a play therapist. I was going to ask like if that was something that kind of was recommended through treatment to have. Yeah, we're all doing therapy. Well, Jude and I are doing therapy now. And it really helps for me to talk to someone. And then you just started seeing this therapist. So I'm really excited to see kind of what they yeah. hear, what they work through and what that means to him and why now. I mean, the video, it was interesting with the one that we saw about the other little girl, like her story is incredible. And so it's not a sad story, mm-hmm. but still even just trying to remind him like, Hey dude, this is awesome. Look that those cells killed the blood monsters and right. still it made him really upset. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's been through something traumatic. Like no matter what, you can't shield him from the trauma of it. And I'm sure your hope when with a child so young, you just kind of hope that they don't understand it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I hope that as the memories fade and hopefully with therapy, like my thought was always like, I hope when he looks back and he remembers, like we had his birthday party when you're at the hospital and we had the Star Wars they have the 501st. They're like the people who dress up like in movie quality reenactment costumes. Oh, wow. They came to the hospital and like we put on this whole thing so where they, cool. yeah, where you'd help them fight the bad guys in the hallways. And I hope he remembers stuff like that. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I remember when the Star Wars guys came or right. 
when the football team came and we, you know, took pictures. So hopefully as everything fades and he looks back, that's more what he remembers. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about parenting Finn while you've been trying to take such excellent and careful care of Jude. What is that like? That, you know, it's one of those things because Finn, his personality is he is just the most joyful child. He is like always has a smile. He's just like Mr. Personality and Mr. Happiness and just like he is always smiling. And part of me is like, does he just like pick up on the need that that's like, like, I'm just like, oh my gosh. And what a gift because, you know, if it could have been just a matter of a few months, like you probably would not have sought out pregnancy after this diagnosis. And exactly like what a gift and a miracle in all of this to have this little guy who's just like a ray of light through the whole thing. Yeah, he is. I mean, he is just so awesome and really easy, you know, for the most part, pretty easygoing. Yeah. It's funny because sometimes he seems difficult to my husband and I, just because we're so used to Jude where, I mean, Jude was just for like a lot of his toddler years, he just felt like crap and he didn't get into stuff and he, he just was easy, but not like a good kind of easy. Right, right. So regular toddler behavior totally throws you. (laughs) Yeah. We're like, oh my gosh, do kids do this? (laughs) What are these tantrums? Yeah. I call my sister all the time because she has a son that is Jude's same age. That's a lot like Finn. And I'll be like, do you have a hard time taking Elliot to the grocery store? (laughs) And she'll just laugh at me and be like, yes, everyone does. (laughs) Yeah. This is a normal (laughs) two-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, but when I go with Jude, he just sits in the cart and we talk and... (laughs) You know, he never whines. Right, right. And so it's like discovering all these things that I think she gets a lot of pleasure hearing me discover these. (laughs) This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And I'm sure that keeps you grounded on some level to have that normalcy 
about Finn that you can't totally lose yourself in Jude and worst case scenarios and fear because you have to still be present for Finn. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it's just some things work out through the universe is, you know, like, I don't know quite how to say it, but it's like just, yeah, Finn's always a good reminder of that. Right, right. He was exactly what your family needed at the the time that they needed it the most. Exactly. Tell us about your credentials as a momcologist. And how did you come about giving yourself that title? Which, by the way, I can tell you have fully earned by by everything you shared. So that title, there's actually, it's Momcology is a nonprofit organization. Oh, And it was founded out of Minnesota. It seems like there's a lot of connections with Minnesota and Momcology and the transplant. But when I first found out about it, it was like one of those aha moments, like, yes, that is what I am. And ever since then, I've just, you know, I feel like that exactly explains what I'm doing. And it also helps too for me since I had just gotten my MBA and, you know, they're all about like your LinkedIn title and making your LinkedIn (laughs) and doing your resume and having actionable bullet points and all those things. So it was like, okay, well, you know, here's something that I can use for the past couple years. You know, I don't relate to the title in the sense that, you know, as it relates to oncology, but I relate to feeling really legitimately feeling like an expert in an area in which you've suffered. And I feel like going through infertility over the last few years, there's parts of that that like anytime a friend is trying to get pregnant and I'm like, oh, well, I immediately just am like, well, what about this? And what about this? And you have to go through this. And they're like, my doctor didn't tell me any of that. I'm like, I know your doctor's not going to tell you anything until it's been like a year or so since you've been trying to get pregnant. But let me just tell you, it's like you have all of this knowledge because it's been your life and you've lived it so deeply and so intensely for so long that you really legitimately have like a degree in this whole field because you've had to learn all of it in order to provide for your, you know, take care of yourself, take care of Jude, take care of your family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what's also really neat is like what you were saying is talking to friends and sharing ideas and information is that with Momcology, they have private Facebook groups Mm. based on diagnosis. So it's like very specific. So they have one for bone marrow transplant caregivers. They have one for moms of kids with the type of leukemia Jude has. They have ones for different types of leukemias. And it's really great because a lot of that stuff is so true of like, well, have you checked this or have you done this? Or, you know, my doctor said she or he has never heard of this, but it's like other kids across the country may have the same symptoms. Yeah, I'm sure that's really empowering for you to be able to help other people in situations like yours and be able to use the knowledge that you've learned over the years. Because I'm sure that if anything good can come out of your experience, you want to be able to pass that on to other people. It is. I actually love I'm glad that you mentioned that because it's one of the things I love the most is that, you know, typically in the momcology, like on the boards, like relapse is, I mean, that is like just the term. I mean, it's like, I'm trying to think of how it's just the most dreaded term. I'm sure. I'm sure. And so when parents post like, oh, I just found out my child relapsed. I always try to comment like, hang in there. There's hope. Here's my story. Like, you know, especially too, when children relapse after transplants, you know, try to share my story and be like, no, here, it's a different world now with these different treatments. So really don't give up. Yeah. It's really amazing what cancer treatment looks like now. And like you said, just compared to a few years ago and compared to like, you know, 10 or 20 years ago, we have a friend who's going through treatment. I mentioned this to you in the pre-interview that 
a mom friend of mine who has metastasized breast cancer, which is now in her brain, her bones and her liver. And when I first found out about this, I was like, people don't survive that. And, and then I talked to my mom about it. My mom is like, people don't survive that. Well, and then in talking and getting more information about the situation, it's like Seattle Cancer Care Alliance is like, this is totally treatable. This is what we're going to do. It's going to be rough, but it's like, there's good statistics on this. And I was like, this is amazing. Like it changes constantly. And which you've given us some great examples of, of how quickly it changes. So I think that yeah, being a part of those forums and being in a place where you have that kind of support is I'm sure just offers so much hope to parents who probably are just so, you know, immediately terrified with a diagnosis or a relapse. Yeah. And that was one of the first things when Jude was first diagnosed that I kept saying, like the social workers would come in and be like, what you need, what you need. And I was like, I just want to meet a family who has a child that was like two when he was diagnosed and is five and in kindergarten and doing fine now. That's all I want. I just want to see that it's possible. Right. Right. And that is what got me through like the next day. I'm sure. So you're thinking ahead now to kindergarten. Are you letting yourself think past that? Or are you like, do you limit how far ahead you look? I look past that, but it's still really hard. And right now we're kind of getting into the phase of like, I mean, there's just so many things with Jude, like he's not potty trained Mm. because I mean, like, it's just impossible to do potty training when you're going through a bone marrow transplant and like having diarrhea a million times a day. Right. So stuff like that where it's like, okay. And because he had that really bad ear infection from the treatments, he has really bad hearing in his left ear. So he needs Mm -hmm. speech therapy. So it's like, now it's like, okay, kindergarten is upon us and we have a ton of work to do, (laughs) (laughs) which is good. A whole new mission. Yeah. It's also like, all the follow-up of like, okay, we have to get into speech therapy, which, you know, for any parents dealing with that, like sometimes that's really hard to get into the speech therapy place and all that stuff and figure out like, how do you turn a five-year-old who just does not care? Yeah. What do you want other moms to know about pediatric cancer? I think the first thing is, and this is like just something to know about moms with pediatric cancer is like the guilt factor in having a child with cancer is like, it's already there. It's always in the back of my head. Like, did I do something? You know, did I not breastfeed Jude long enough? Like, what is it? So what I would want other parents to know is like, please don't send any articles saying like, did you know that frankincense oil can help with cancer? Oh my gosh. Like, please don't share. (laughs) That is so offensive. And I see that kind of stuff on Facebook or even like, I actually had someone a while ago want to talk to a group of my gym members. And she was like, yeah, I'd love to talk to them. About, I like, there's new studies about how like mushroom, like eating mushrooms every day prevents cancer. And I'm like, you know, that's actually completely offensive to someone who has survived cancer to be like, you should yeah. just eat some mushrooms every day. Yeah. <laughs> so. And it's so, I mean, it's like one of those things that's just like, I mean, it's just heartbreaking. And it's like, even if you know, like there was a study that came out that it's something about hot dogs and it's like, it's just so hard because then it's like now every time Judy eats a hot dog, like I'm like want to put a blanket over his head because I'm like feel like everyone's like that's why he had cancer, you know? When oh it's like my it's just so hard. So I just would want people to be like really think about sharing stuff like that and yeah. really critically look at like is it a peer approved study or a peer reviewed study? Right. Where was it shared? You know, like stuff like that because it can really really ruin someone's day or week when they're having a hard time. Yeah. And the thing with pediatric cancer is that some of them, like there are some genetic components, but for the majority, like the vast majority, it's just random crappy luck. Yeah. And 
the researchers and scientists and doctors don't know what it is. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, is that it's hard to accept because that's the scariest thing as a parent. Like yeah, you have no control. So my kid could, yeah. So my kid could just have cancer tomorrow and it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it sucks and it's so scary, but that's the reality. Do you um, have fears around Finn? You know, I don't usually, although Finn this week had a couple bruises on his legs and it was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But no, Finn is like, I mean, he is like the picture of health. Like when Jude first started daycare, even before any of this came up, he like got ear infection after ear infection. Mm. And Finn, like Finn's never had an ear infection in his life. So you can just see a different sense of health about them that is comforting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the kid that like we go to the movies and like he drops a piece of popcorn on the floor. And before I can stop him, he eats it. (laughs) Of course. You know, and he's just totally fine. (laughs) That's immunity popcorn right there. (laughs) Yes, yeah. So and it's like, I mean, it's kind of nice to be able to be like, go ahead. You know, that's gross. I didn't stop you in time, but (laughs) you're going to be fine. Yeah. And it's really comforting to be like, it's nice to see that in a kid. Yeah. And then the other thing about the pediatric cancer, I just wanted to mention that something that a lot of people don't know is that it's really, really underfunded for research. And part of that is that the metric of like how research funds are allocated is like how rare a disease is. And so if you look at the percentage of kids out of the whole population, it is very small. I've actually read about this. So I was reading, and this might be a totally wrong statistic, and I don't know if you'll know or not, but... I actually follow this little girl on Facebook who has pediatric cancer and her mom, they're in LA and they, her mom has this huge social media presence around awareness around pediatric cancer. And I think she was saying like, it's 3.4% of cancer research goes to pediatric cancer because it is a small, and is that the right, the right percentage? Yeah. Yeah. So if you see, you'll see like a lot of you'll see a lot of hashtags that say more than four and that's referring to as more okay. than 4% of the research. Okay. But it's like, if you look at it as a percentage of years of life lost, Oh my gosh. You know, it's huge. Yeah. And it's like, maybe we should look at different criteria of like right. the impact of curing childhood cancer. Right. Like when someone dies, when they're like, I mean, I just went to a funeral of a little girl that was just turned two. Oh my gosh. It's like when she never got to go to school, she never got to get married, she never got to do anything. And it's like, to me, I feel like, and I say this as someone who's lost my mom at age 47 and my mother-in-law at age 65, when even when someone who's 47 is like, my mom still got to have kids. She got to go to high school. Like she got so much more and, and kids deserve more. Yeah. And then she had a chance to impact the world and. Exactly. Exactly. And live her story. Yeah. What do you love most about being Jude's mom? The thing that I love most in Jude, I feel like I've gotten to know him really. I mean, like we've spent a lot of one-on-one time together is just the way that kids, like you don't think they're hearing something or you don't think something makes a difference. And then they say something later on and it just like totally blows you away. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of parents, you know, would agree with that of like, it's just so neat to see like this little person that went from being a baby that now, you know, he has his very defined interests. And I think the thing that's kind of cool with Jude is that since he's never around other kids, he has like no peer pressure. So he, (laughs) like, for example, he loves Harry Potter and he asked me to draw a Harry Potter scar on his head every morning with eyeliner. 
Oh my gosh. And he wears the Harry Potter cloak and fake glasses. And he just oh, goes like, so great. he just walks around, you know, I at the grocery it. store. It's like, he has no concept of like this, maybe a kid that like goes to preschool, like they wouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they would, but you know, like his interests are just, he's just quirky That's from so living life in a bubble. He just yeah. kind of does what he wants. That's and it's so like, great. it just, it's kind of a cool way to see like a kid just totally going for it and doing what they want. Right. Describe the legacy you're building and how does being shameless play into your legacy? I would say that the legacy that I hope to build with Jude is, I hope our story inspires people. One thing is I feel like there's so many things that when I look back before Jude was diagnosed, it's like life was perfect. Life was perfect. We had this beautiful child. I just found out I was pregnant. We had just bought a house. Like, and I think back of like how unhappy I was about stupid little stuff. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like I spent so long being sad that when Jude was born, I really wanted to have a childbirth without an epidural, but I had an epidural. And like, I was so sad about that for a really long time. And I just wish like in the grand scheme, like, yes, it was disappointing, mm -hmm. but he was healthy. Like yeah. he was a healthy, perfect child. Yeah. And, you know, I spent so much time stressing. So I would hope that with our legacy and by sharing Jude's story, it maybe encourages people like to appreciate just the little things. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, you said you're in a hospital and you can be so grateful and practice gratitude around a cup of coffee because it's all relative to like what your experience is that day. So I think that's really powerful. Yeah. And now, and, and now as Jude's getting better too, it's like this series of stuff. Like when we first, our first trip that I could take him back to Costco was like, you know, it was like, a Oh big my deal. gosh, this is amazing. This is so <laughs> cool. I'm at Costco with my kid, yeah. you know? And so stuff like that. I mean, I hope I say this for myself as much as other people. I hope I don't lose that. Yeah. That I don't get to a point where it's like, Oh, I have to go to Costco and right. I hate taking Jude with me and this right. and that, you know, right. I hope I always remember that there was a time that like, that was all I wanted to do. Right. Like the little things that are gifts that we, yeah. it's so easy to overlook them. I think that's a, that's a great reminder and a great legacy to be building. I know that you are working very hard on, funding for Jude and bringing awareness to pediatric cancer. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing with that and where we can find you and how we can support you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I'm doing a campaign with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and it's man and woman of the year. And what it is, is a group of people compete to be man and woman of the year by raising the most money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And they do this in chapters all over the country. So I'm sure there's men and women of the year up in Seattle and, and all over. So I'm one of the candidates. And my goal is to raise $50,000 in honor of Jude's fifth birthday, but also because $50,000 is the amount needed with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society to designate the funds towards a certain research portfolio. Uh -huh. And so I want our funds to go towards the pediatric cancer research portfolio. Okay. And it's really powerful because they've funded the trial at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and they're also funding part of the trial that Jude's transplant doctor here in Tucson is working on. Wow. So he's directly benefited from their research. Yeah, yeah. And, so powerful. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's a Man and Woman of the Year campaign website. You sent me that. It's kind of a longer link. Yeah, yeah, um, it would be really long yeah. to read off. So I will put that up on the show notes. So if people want to go to shamelessmom.com and then click on episode 134. We'll have all the links from today's show and including the link to Jude's page. And there's 
the most adorable picture of Jude in his little warrior t-shirt. And then there's a video of you and Jude and oh, there's two videos so people can learn more. And if they are inclined to give, they can do that there. Yep. And then the other link that I sent you was one of the things we're doing as a fundraiser is there was a quote on Jude's hospital wall when he relapsed last year. And it said, every day holds a possibility of a miracle. And I have a really talented friend that started a lettering business. So she wrote that quote out and we have it on t-shirts and totes and hats. And to me, like that just like describes Jude's story. Yeah. And it's really cool. The lettering is awesome. I'm actually looking at these kids shirts. I'm going to get one for Vinny. Yay. There's adult shirts, kids shirts, women's fit shirts, trucker hats, all sorts of awesome stuff here. So yeah, so I will link to both of those pages over on the show notes for sure. And then thank you. I will also have the link to the book that you mentioned. And then if anyone wants to get in touch with you, would you be comfortable with me if people got in touch with me via email at info at shamelessmom.com? Could I email intro you to people who maybe are going through a similar struggle or want to connect? Oh, with you absolutely. Yeah, okay. totally. Great. We will do that. I will not give your email out on the <laughs> show notes, but people can contact <laughs> me if you want to be connected to Barb. Okay, so let's dive into our shameless mommy minute and go into our lightning round. Are you ready? I am. Okay. I know you've listened to the show enough that you know the questions and you have probably heard other people do this. So I hope this is fun and exciting to get to do your own. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite way to treat yourself? I would say a night out with wine and cheese. Oh, that is mine too. That's like, it just makes me happy. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I would like to do that every night. (laughs) The current book that you're reading or the last one you read? So the last book I read was The Handmaid's Tale because I was really excited about Hulu. Nice. And now, thanks to you, I'm reading Miracle Morning. Oh, yay. So Barb is, <laughs> Barb is actually, I'll give you a shout out. Barb's in the Shameless Mom Momentum Mastermind. And in our kickoff meeting, we talked about the Miracle Morning book. So awesome. I'm so glad you're reading it. I ordered it right after the call on Monday. And it's the quick read and it's really good. What is one morning ritual you can't live without? I think this is probably a no-brainer coffee. Nice. Who is your biggest inspiration? My biggest inspiration is my friend Jeanette Marais. She's the founder of this incredible organization called Ben's Bells about intentional kindness. And her son died very suddenly when he was two. And so she's just taught me that you can face the scariest thing ever and go on to thrive and live and inspire others. Oh, so cool. Barb actually mentioned Ben's Bells to me before our interview. So I'm going to try to get, did you say her name's Jeanette? Jeanette, yeah. Jeanette, She's I'm gonna, amazing. I'm going to try to get Jeanette on the show so we can have that to look forward to. If you can give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why? No guilt. Yes, I love it. Barb, thank you so much. This has been really special and I so appreciate you sharing this story. And I mostly made it through without crying. I just teared up a couple times. So I'm <laughs> feeling good about oh, that. God. You presented this so nicely because I imagine you've probably shared your story many times, but it's a lot for you to put out there. And so I'm just really grateful that you were open to doing that and that I know that other families will be helped in hearing Jude's story and hearing your story. So thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you, Sarah. This was so much fun. I'm really honored to be a part of it. Good, good. Yes. I'm very grateful to have you spend time in the Shameless Mom Academy. So, and if there are updates, you have to keep us posted. Because I would really love to continue to follow Jude's story. And I'm sure because we're all moms and we all want to like, we have this innate desire to like 
be helpful and supportive. I just know that if there's any updates you ever want me to share on the podcast, I'd be happy to do so. So let me know if oh, you if you, you need if you need love or support or you want us to like cheer for the first day of kindergarten, just let us know and let me know and I can update people. Thank you so much for spending time in the Shameless Mom Academy with Barb and I today. I hope that you enjoyed hearing this story. I hope that you were moved by the story and touched and inspired by the strength and tenacity that is behind Barb and behind Jude and everything that they're doing. If you were moved to donate to their cause, you can go to the show notes over at shamelessmom.com, click on episode 134, and there is a link there to donate to pediatric cancer through Barb's fund. She's currently about to hit her goal of $50,000. I've been tracking the page closely. So if you want to be a part of that, that's been a huge goal of hers in the last part of this journey. So if you want to participate in that, you can. There's also Team Jude merchandise. So you will see on Instagram, Vinny wearing a Team Jude hat. You will see t-shirts that have quotes, inspirational quotes on them. Just really cool stuff if you want to support the cause and actually have a little Team Jude merch to go with your support. You can also find all other links mentioned over at shamelessmom.com episode 134. Thank you for joining us today. If this is your first time listening, know that we do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday, and you can subscribe so you never miss an episode if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. While you're there, you hit the little subscribe button and you will automatically get all of our episodes downloaded to your device as soon as they are released. You can also leave a review there. So if you love the show, if this is your first time listening or your 50th time listening, leave a review and let me know what you think. Go ahead and give me a little bit of feedback, a sentence or two. It means the world to me to get your feedback. I really, really appreciate it. And maybe your review will be read for our review of the week next week. So pop over to shamelessmom.com forward slash review to subscribe to the show and to leave a review. Thank you for spending time with us today. I hope that you enjoyed listening to Barb's story. I hope you were inspired to go do something amazing and shameless with your life. And I hope that you have a fantastic day no matter what you do. Lastly, just a quick reminder that the waitlist is open for the next Shameless Mom Mastermind. So if you are wanting to get on our waitlist to participate in the next Shameless Mom Mastermind, where you will be able to set goals and be held accountable and take simple steps to make big changes in your life and make life a lot more positive and impactful and more powerful every day, please shoot me an email at info at shamelessmom.com and I will get you added to the waitlist right away. All right. Have a fantastic day. Be shameless. Be brave, be powerful, be a valiant fighter like little Jude. And no matter what you do, make sure you do it shamelessly. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. 
So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.